Hi, I'm Eric Heckman, and you are listening to the Functional Tennis Podcast. Welcome to episode 71 of the Functional Tennis Podcast. I'm speaking to Eric Heckman, the coach of Venus Williams. We talk about his tennis career, coaching Venus, and more. Before we get started, if you're on Instagram, tag us, Functional Tennis Podcast, on your story so we can say hello, and also tag our sponsor, Slinger. I'm trying to arrange a Slinger bag to give away to one of our listeners, and this will help with that. Okay, here we go. Hi, Eric. Welcome to the Functional Tennis Podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you, hear about your tennis career and your coaching career and how you handle your your work at the Palm Royal Tennis Club and your family. Really can't wait to talk all about it. But uh, before we get started, tell us, where are you right now? Right now I'm in my house. Just got done with uh, kindergarten drop-off for my five-year-old. Um Got done with pre-K drop-off for my three-year-old and uh, my baby girl. It's her second birthday today. So, Thanks for taking the time out of... She won't be happy. You're busy talking tennis on the phone. There should be no tennis talk today. It, sh- it should be all for her. But you had a video on Instagram of a four-year-old hitting balls really great. Is that your son? That's not my son. That's uh, a kid reached out to me via email and... Uh, you know, I was scrolling through some of the videos and it's just unbelievable to see how the kid, uh, how enthusiastic he was and the talent level. So his dad wanted to bring him out and it was, it was fun getting out there a little bit with such a young guy, so enthusiastic about tennis. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, he looked, he, I could just see the strokes and he was hitting a lot of good balls, a bit of power and was quite impressed for a four-year-old. So it's good, it's good to see. Hopefully they can, Keep going. Uh, doesn't peak too soon. Yeah, true. Tell me, where did your tennis journey start? I didn't really start playing till I was, let's say, like nine years old about. I had played some other sports from basketball, football, boxing, a bunch of different other things. And tennis kind of stuck. One, my parents didn't really want me to get hurt in some of the more physical sports. And... Yeah, it just kind of took off from there. I always liked the individuality of it. Um, I never did, never went homeschooling, never played, uh, let's say, some of the full-time hours that a lot of the juniors train now, but went to public high school in Miami, public middle school, public elementary, and went through that process. A lot different from the way it is nowadays, but it was a good experience. Yeah, and you went on to Miami University, which it must be to have that experience you had where you were at home going through your high school and then on to university. That's really, it's unheard of to play at a tennis college, college tennis at a high level. And then I'm not sure, were you living at home when you were at Miami or were you on campus? Lived on home for pieces of it. And I actually ended up living off campus, lived on campus for maybe like a month. So not much, not much on campus. But it must have been such a, it's a dream to have your family so close and to obviously play play tennis your love for the sport rather than I know the Irish kids here travel over to the States and you know they may, they may get back two three times a year it can be awfully it can be it can be tough that side of things yeah Miami is such a great city and 
little different than Europe. You know, a lot of times you grow up really following and loving a college team. So University of Miami Hurricanes, more than any pro team, they were they were always my team. So go there, play there. It was it was a dream. You know, wish I could have maybe done a little more for the for the school, but you know, I did what I could when I was there. How was your college tennis career? I had a bunch of different coaches, three coaches, but um, you form a great bond, not just with the tennis athletes that you're around, but University of Miami does a great job keeping the athletes together. So you meet a bunch of different athletes from other sports, from football to basketball, all across the board. And it's it's almost like its own family in there. And it was a great experience. You got to learn things you should do, things you shouldn't do. And, uh, and yeah, definitely helped me mature and find my way into uh, adulthood. And tennis-wise, how did you do? I, I did all right. Um, I won... I won a lot of matches there. Um, I always put the team first. That was always my priority when I was there. And uh, was captain there for three years and won a lot of matches. So it was fun. I had some great experiences. Do you still, would you, would you have been there recently? Would you know a girl called Sinead Lowen? Irish girl. Not off the top of my head, no. Yeah, she's probably finished there a few years now, but she was on the women's team. Uh, so, okay, so you went from college and you moved, you gave the pros a shot for a while. Yeah, I, I mean, not really the pros a shot for a while. I basically graduated in, let's say, May of 2006. And then uh, and then my plan was to kind of hop right into law school in the start of January. So I played pro until end of October of that year. So basically June through October was the, the amount that I played. And did you go into law school then? I went to law school for let's say one year and uh, I was teaching part-time on the side, really enjoyed it, was developing some juniors as I was, as I was in law school, high level juniors. And the club that I'm, that I'm still the tennis director of offered me the opportunity to basically be tennis director. And it was at a time when the economy wasn't great. People coming out of law school were struggling to find jobs, getting low pay, and I thought to myself, I'm like, hey, I like tennis a lot more than I actually like practicing or studying law. So I'm just going to go for it. So jump ship, went fully in, back into tennis uh, from a different angle, though, from coaching. And that's kind of where I got my feet wet there. And were the parents okay with that? Uh, I mean, you know, Jewish parents, they wanted me to go into whether it was either counting, law, something like that. But, you know. Dad understood and, and he, you know, understood where I was coming from and, you know, haven't looked back since. So they supported me. Well, that's, that's great. They saw the passion. Life, you got to follow your passion. Yeah. So you're director at, at Palm Royal Tennis Club. And then I, I did see online that you were a hitting partner for some great guys. How, how did that come about? That was a short stint. It was basically during the Miami Open one year. So my, uh, my college coach at the time, Mara Rincon, called me up on April 1st. And he's like, hey, uh, Roger Federer wants you to be his hitting partner for uh, for the tournament, you know, or his agent called. And I go, I go, come on, Mario. It's April Fool's <laughs> Day. You're calling me at like, it was like a five something a.m. call. You know, I'm like, I'm like, I'm going to go back to bed, man. You know, and he's like, no, no, no. And then once I got there, you know, this is in the midst of the big Rafa, Roger, 
rivalry. And then Rafa wanted me to be a sitting partner in the tournament. So it was definitely a physical time because uh, I was working, working out with both of them during that tournament. It was a great experience to see how they both approach the game very differently, but very intelligently. And they go through, uh, they go through the process. So, so yeah, that was, that was the extent that I was hitting partner for those guys, but pretty much, you know, my career in tennis after playing was really developing juniors into high level college players. And let's say for the most part into the low levels of the pros. And do, let me just cut back there really quickly to Federal. So you were still in university at this stage? Um, it was my senior year. Yeah. So I was, I was graduating basically. And did you, what did you take away from playing with these two greats at the time? Did it give you extra energy or? Um, it, t- it gave me kind of a different understanding of things because, you know, I had just played to that point on you know, athleticism. I didn't really understand the game of tennis and the different innuendos. So seeing them both practice so differently, but, you know, arguably the two greatest players of all time. At that stage, people people were thinking that they were both going to be their two greatest of all time. So, you know, to see how Federer was very specific and what shots he would practice and warm up and to see you know, Nadal as a whole different practice, a very physical practice, um, at least at that stage, you know, it was very interesting, you know, and that gave me a perspective that, hey, everybody's different and everybody can approach it in a completely different manner and find the right way there. And was any like, was any of you like, this is like, this is a lot harder than I thought it was? Um, You know, I knew, I knew how hard it was as a player, you know, it's just, you know, the motivation those guys have, the discipline those guys have in their practices and the skill level is, is just, it's almost unhuman. So, yeah. The motivation you talk about, uh, you've been around some great players. Do you think the motive, you're born with the motivation or is it something that you can actually, let's say, earn or you can come up with later on in life? I think it's a little bit of both, right? I think you have to be born with it to a certain level. Have to be born with that talent and that drive, right? You know, so for example, when I saw that four year old and went out there with him, you know, played tennis with the kid an hour and I've got a five year old, you know, but his, he kept his attention span the whole time. He was eager to learn and he was pumped up to play at that age, right? Any four year old for any activity they're going to do, rarely would they have that type of fire in their belly. So a lot of it you're born with, and then a lot of it as you go through different stages and you hit some bumps in the road, um, you need you need different people to motivate you and to fire you up so that you've got that extra drive when those tough times come. A lot of times it comes from a parent. Sometimes it comes from a coach, you know, but that's where I see it. I agree. I, I agree with you. This podcast is brought to you by ASICS Tennis. ASICS is a Japanese company founded in 1949 with the purpose of giving more people the opportunity to experience how sport and movement can have a positive impact on mental well-being. They just launched their most innovative tennis range ever. Get the new Cord FF3 Novak or Gel Resolution 9 at ASICS.com. ASICS Tennis have also just launched their new Cord FF3 Novak, the only tennis shoe designed with Novak Djokovic input. To learn more about ASICS, visit their website www.asics.com. And tell me, so you're you're working you're working at Pam Ryle and when do you move into more the coaching? 
you talk a bit about how you coach juniors and the lower level, but then there must be a big jump. When did you start working with Venus? How did that come about? Let's say basically from when I graduated all the way until now, um, I had gone up there from time to time, not necessarily consistently to hit with her in Palm Beach Gardens. And then in uh, 2019, she called me basically to go with her and work with her at Indian Wells. So we started working a little bit together then through that Miami tournament. I didn't travel to uh, Europe in 2019, but we kept in touch. And through 2019, 2020, um, I worked with her. So, you know, I really haven't been at Royal Palm much. Obviously, when she's not training, like right now, after the end of the season, I'll head out there and you know, I'm not working a lot of hours like I used to, but I'll go out there and work specific hours with people that I feel I could really use the help. And once we come back training again, I'm fully committed into her training. Great. And how's it been working with such a legend of the game? It's been, it's been great. Such a learning experience, you know, my, my expertise is coaching of tennis, but, you know, with pro tennis, there's so many different things going into it that, you know, you pick up and you learn from when you're at the tournament battling for practice courts and getting the amount of hours you want on the court and the proper time to practice, all the logistics involved behind it and everything that kind of goes on behind the scenes, how much is actually going on. A lot of people don't know. And it's been a great learning experience and I'm, and I'm still learning. Yeah, every day. You went straight to the top, so that'd be the quickest way to learn, thrown in the deep end. And when you're working with her on court, what are you working on most of the time? Obviously, I, from what I hear, like players, when they're younger, they're, it's probably more fitness orientated, bit more technique. But as they get older, there's a lot more strategy stuff you're working on, or do you still work a lot on technique? And um, It's been a little bit of everything. Obviously, this year has been very different with COVID. So... And, you know, Venus has played a lot of years in the purpose, but we took an ambitious task uh, this past 2019 to revamp her serve and her forehand a little bit. And I think that they've improved. I think she just needs a few more matches and to really harness it in. But there's definitely been some flashes of brilliance to it. Um, and yeah, we definitely do speak a lot about strategy. What strategy is going to work best for her? And then also prior to each match, what strategy will possibly work best against each opponent. Granted, nothing's for certain, but it is it is a lot of strategy. And you say you've learned a lot from her. What are like the top three things you feel you've learned from being around such a great? I think number one, the mental side to be to be positive and how to move how to move through a loss and to motivate yourself into a practice and in a tournament and no matter what hardships you're experiencing, whether it's the travel or the circumstances in which you're staying with, to be able to always find the positives in everything you're going through to uh, to persevere. She's probably the best in the that I've ever seen at that. Um, I can't say the best in the world because I don't know everybody else, but you know, I can't imagine somebody being better at those skills. And then the uh, the time commitment, you know. Um, no matter what day it is, no matter what time it is, to be able to go out there, get your warm up in, get your cool down in, get your practice in, and after she does all those things, she's a fully committed owner CEO of a of a company, and 
you know, that's admirable, right? She's, she's not wasting any time in her life and she's active, always trying to accomplish something, which that's, that's a champion's mind right there, whether it's in tennis or not in tennis, you know? So, and then outside of that, you know, it's, it's the commitment to family and she'll, we'll be in town. She's always giving her father a hug, kiss, um, always looking to connect with her sisters and, uh, and her mother. Right. So the commitment to values and the mental commitment to things, I think that, that always brings a level of positivity to, uh, to her life. And it's, it's very admirable. Well, there are three great things. Tell me, do you ever get involved in any of the e-commerce decisions? No. I mean, I hear it. I try to mainly stick to my, uh, stick to my strength. So great. Yeah. Stick to the court stuff. What's the best moment in the, the shortest career you've had with her on court? I'd have to say that Kavitova match in Indian Wells in 2019. It was the first tournament I went to, so I didn't fully know exactly what to expect. First round, she had paid Pekovic and had a tough three-set match, pulled it out. I wouldn't say she played her best tennis in that match, but she found a way to win. And then against Kavitova, she was down a set, a break. You know, It looked like it was going to be straight set loss and then she just dug deep fought hard and found a way to win played a really really high level of tennis ended up getting to the quarters there but that match it was something special to see see that type of competitiveness fire unbelievable fire and what's your plan moving forward then for 2020 uh for 2020 or 2021 oh would squeeze out the end of this year is there going to be much tennis uh, for Venus, she's done for the rest of this year. Um, she'll take a little break and we'll get into our off-season training uh, before the start of 2021. I think it's been a hard year for everybody with the unknown, when you're playing a tournament, how the tournament format's going. Uh, but there's definitely some positives we can take, a few tweaks in her game. and She's healthy right now, so I think we'll, I think we'll have some definite positives going into 2021. And you'll be on the road in 21. Yep, plan to be. In, yeah, interesting, because we, uh, we had a guy, David Collins, on the podcast a few weeks ago. He's a doubles coach, works with some top doubles guys, and he, sp- he, sp- he spends most of his time at his club. He doesn't travel as much. And just interesting to ask you how you can handle the traveling, obviously with the family and running the club. It's, it, it's a lot of work. And do you have any s- secrets to the to the skill. I mean, everybody's got their approach when you have a tennis club and you're working with a pro player. So I approached my tennis club telling them I was going to work with Venus and I was going to come back basically in my full role at the, at the end of her career, whenever she decides that to be, whether it's one year, 10 years, who knows. And uh, basically what I've done in the meantime is I've put different people from different pros and we've got a great club manager in Beverly Crane, uh, basically in charge of the day-to-day decisions on the club. Um, When I'm in town, I go in there and I help out, but I've taken a more passive role to the club while I've been traveling with her. And I thought, you know, if I'm not most of tennis, right? You know, let's say if you're playing full schedule, you might be traveling 10 months out of the year. She doesn't travel as much as most, but if somebody's traveling that much, how can you really 
give them the proper guidance if you're not around them, the time is necessary. So, you know, I looked at it as a sacrifice a little bit for my family, which is obviously the toughest part from the club that I've worked for 10 years, maybe 60 hours. I used to work on court per week, you know, so I knew the sacrifices I was going to make going into it, but I looked at it as, okay, this is something that is going to make me a better coach. And I also think I can really help her towards the end of her career do something special. So that's why I'm here. You never know what's going to happen. And that's been my approach. Some people take uh, the opposite angle where they're more involved in the club and they travel less. When everything finishes up, you're back to the club with a load of experience you would have never had before had you stayed there. So there's big advantages to it. But let's end this, Eric, with one question. What advice do you have for junior players out there who want to be pros, let's say the 14, 15, one of the better players in their nation? What's your best bit of advice for them? Oh, that's tough. So, you know, I'd say number one, they have to have the self-belief, they have to have the discipline, and they have to have the work ethic, right? And they've got to formulate a team around them of positive people. They can, as you've seen this year with, uh, you know, my hometown Miami Heat getting to that NBA Finals, right? Nobody would have expected a team like that to make it there. But it's the culture that they've got behind their team, pushing them to work hard, pushing them to believe that they can get through a loss, get through a win. And it's a tough journey, but every player is going to need that around them. And they're going to need that self-discipline and that drive to kind of persevere. There's always going to be tennis. You're going to have a first round loss. You're going to have you know a great tournament, but it's how you weather those tough storms. And you always have to be ready for that big performance because you never know when it could happen. Great. Well, it's important to have a good team around you to carry you through those tough moments and encourage you to keep going. Yeah, very important. Thank you very much, Eric, for jumping on the show. Appreciate it. And hope you get to spend some great quality time with your family for the rest of the year. Thanks for having me. I love your guys' content. Lots of great videos you have on your social. And uh, I'll be checking it out all the time like I have. Thank you, Eric. I hope you enjoyed that chat with Eric. It's great to see his passion for the game. If you know anybody who may be interested in this podcast, really appreciate it if you could share it with them. It would mean a lot to me. Other than that, I'll be back next week. I hope you get out there and play some tennis. Goodbye.